We're glad to be sharing the ministry of Tabernacle of Praise with you. Now join us as we receive the Word of God. Well, we're Matthew chapter 24. Uh, last week we began to look at Matthew 24 verse by verse uh, to look at what Jesus had to say about the end times drama that we're going to talk about in the next several weeks. And what has to be understood about the prophecy concerning the end times is that prophecy addresses three separate groups of people. Prophecy addresses Israel, prophecy addresses the world, and prophecy addresses the church. And there's a manner into each one in end times that God uh, addresses us. And so uh, there's an end time prophecy, again, that concerns Israel that somewhat will overlap into us, but mostly doesn't. And in the world, so, so, so they somewhat overlap, but generally you're going to find that the prophecies we're going to talk about are pretty standard within each group. Uh, where many people go amiss is that they don't understand what we just said, that there's prophecy concerning the, the, these three different groups, if you will. And so they take, like we're, we're going to look at a little closer, Matthew 24, they try to understand end times and end things, and it's very confusing. When if you look at it under the idea that all prophecy is given to all of us for all things, and then you try to understand Matthew 24, it'll totally confuse you because things don't make sense to us that would make sense to the Jew. Uh, it becomes very confusing as all the different aspects don't align together. If you try to put the different prophecies together, they won't line up because they're not meant to. Certain prophecies for the church are not for the world or Israel. Certain prophecies for Israel not meant for the church are the world and prophecies for the world not meant for anyway. So what, what we're going to do tonight uh, as we get into verse uh, the verses again, let's, I want to get back to verses 1 through 3 again and try to explain something that will make a difference in how you're going to view chapter 24. So let, I'm going to just read verses 1 through 3 again. Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you that there shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? Um, so let's look at some key words here in these verses here. Because there's some key words here that help, will help establish us as to how we're supposed to be looking at Matthew 24. First of all, notice what he said, what shall be, uh, when shall these things be? What shall be the sign of thy coming? Most often you hear people say, Jesus, what will be the signs of thy coming? There, there's not signs. This word is singular here. What will be the sign of thy coming? So that, that's it's critical to understand at this point. You won't think so, but let's go through the words. The word sign here in the Greek, samion, means indication, the the. The Greek word for sign is indication. So the first part of it is, what will be the indication, singular, of thy coming? Not signs, indications, but sign, singular. That's important. Uh, so what, are the sign, what is the sign of thy coming? The word coming in the Greek here is perousia, and it means advent or return. So he says, the question here is, what is the indication of your return? So we're going to read this all together in a minute. It's going, to, it's going to change the way you're thinking about this chapter. Then the word end here. 
what should be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world. So the word end here in the Greek, it, it's soon tell ia, and it means entire completion, consummation. And then the word world in the Greek here, this is a key part of this chapter here, and it's a key to understand. The word world here is aeon, aeon, A-I-O-N. It means an age, perpetuity, a limited, unlimited duration. In, and here's the key part of the, the understanding of this word. It means age, perpetuity, or an unlimited duration in the Jewish sense, a messianic period. So here's the question. Well, some, somewhat we have to understand is what the question, what question is actually being asked here? Because a lot of people will use this particular and ask, and the question being asked is, well, what's the end of the world going to be like? And that's not the question that's being asked at all. And then they'll go down through Matthew 24 and try to pin these different situations and put them in places in history to find out what the end time is all about. That's not what this is about here. So the question asked by the disciples is, tell us, when shall these things be? What things? I said, well, I'm asking you, what things? Nobody want to touch that one? Somebody, somebody read verse 2. I'm not going to read it. Somebody read it. And so the next question is, when shall these things be? So what's the question? When's the temple going to be destroyed? So there's a little more to this. When's the temple? In the previous chapter, Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees, and he's talking to them how they are the children of the previous predecessors in history who killed the prophets. And Jesus says this, even more how that there are now prophets among you, wise men, scribes that have been sent to you, and you're killing them, and you're crucifying them, and you're scourging them, and you're persecuting them. So not only did your fathers do that, you're doing it now, and you're doing it from city to city. If you look in chapter 23, verse 30, 35, uh, verse 35, of chapter 23, that upon you may all the righteous blood be shed upon the earth. This, this is critical. What he's saying here is, listen, all this blood, this righteous blood that was shed, this blood is now going to be put upon you. Verse 36. Verily I say unto you, all these things shall come upon this generation. Now, we understand the Bible in its origin wasn't written chapter verse. So that's why you back up and you read the discussion that's being had before that. And so Jesus says, listen, not only did your fathers kill the prophets, you're doing the same thing. And the, pressure, the, the, the blood is going to, and it's going to be shed on this generation. And then he goes into the next, he leaves the temple after having this discussion with them. And as he's walking out of the temple, he makes this statement about being torn apart. So it's just a few verses later, he unveils the destruction of the temple and how he had just encountered this discussion with the Pharisees. So Jesus is addressing Israel in chapter 24 here. Understand this first. He's addressing Israel. He's addressing the Jews. So here's the question. I'm going to read it. Tell us, when shall these things be, and what shall be the indication of thy return and the entire completion of the Messianic period? Now we're talking about a whole different subject than the end of the world. You see, the end here of the world is the 
is the total completion of the messianic period. So who's Messiah? Jesus, okay. So let's keep walking through this. So keep in mind, we're looking at Matthew 24, that Jesus is speaking to those things Israel would see and be a partaker of now. This is, Jesus said, look, this is, you know, we'll, we'll read some scripture why it says, he says now. And, and, and they would be partakers in the upcoming days, months, and years. So this, this is not just a bam, bam, bam. Remember, we talked about that. But this is going to be a process of things that happen. He's not giving us the signs of the end time world at the end of the world when everything's said and done, when Armageddon's passed and the thousand year, and then there, it's none of that. So with that, let's look back at or go back to our verses. Let's go back to verse 8. We're not going to go back 1 through 7 again. Let's look at verse 8. That's where we left off last time. And all these are the beginning of sorrows. The word beginning here uh, is, is actually what it means, the commencement, the starting of sorrows. The Greek word for sorrows here is odin. That word means pain and childbirth. So what he was saying is just as a woman begins to have pain in childbirth, it starts here with a particular pain and it gets worse and worse and worse until she has that child. The pain gets to be more and more and more. So this is the notion that they're experiencing. What Jesus is standing before them and telling them is, listen, here's what's about to happen to you. This is what's going to happen. You're experiencing the change. It's it's going to get hard and it's going to get harder, and it's going to get worse. And he's talking to them directly. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Really? What Bible do you have? Yeah. Yeah, there's some not in, and there's some words that are translated differently. Yeah. So there's no verse. It's on the side? Okay. <laughs> so who, who is Jesus conversing with at this point? He's still talking to the disciples. He's still on the Mount of Olives. After they left the temple... And they said, hey, we're going to show you the black. He said, he said, they, let, they go to the Mount of Olives, and he's having a private conversation here. Okay, so remember who Jesus is talking to here. The followers of Jesus are being accused of being the cause of the calamities of Israel at this point. The Jews are saying it's these Christian people that are causing the calamities that are, that are happening to us today. It's why we're going through our troubles and our problems, and they need to suffer for it. That's what's going on in the Jewish community. They were, and eventually being, they, they, they were at that time, but eventually it got worse. They were cruelly persecuted for being followers of Jesus. Okay? So notice as Jesus is speaking to the Jewish people here, he, in this private conversation, begins to spell out what they're going to face. Verse 9. Now, who's he talking to here? Keep this in mind. He's, talk, he's talking with the disciples. He's having a discussion with the disciples. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you, and you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. So being delivered up to be afflicted meant to be harassed by all known means of torture in that day. 
In other words, if Jesus said, you're, you're going to be delivered up to be afflicted. In other words, you know all the torture that's happening to the different ones? Get ready. Now, he's talking to disciples. It's going to happen to you. It's going to happen. Uh, hated of all nations. Understand, hated of all nations means not only the Gentiles hate them, the Christians, those that are followers of Jesus, but Jews hate them as well. Israel hated the Christians. As a whole, Israel hated them. So they're going to be persecuted and tormented, not just by Gentiles, but by Jews as well. Matter of fact, Mark 13 and 9 describes it as being delivered up before the councils. That word councils, when you look it up, is actually the, it's, it's the joint sessions of the Sanhedrin. When the Sanhedrin comes together, he said, look, you're going to be delivered up before the joint councils of the Sanhedrin, and they're going to beat you. You're going to be delivered up for governors and kings. They're going to do all of these things to you. Now, we can look no further than the book of Acts. I mean, Josephus covers a lot of this. But if you look in the book of Acts to see the fulfillment of that very thing right there, you see it in Acts chapter 5, Acts chapter 16, Acts chapter 18, Acts chapter 24. It talks about those that were stoned, brought up before kings, brought up before Festus, brought up before Agrippa, all of those. That's what Jesus was telling them. You're going to be brought before governors. You're going to be brought before kings. And you're going to, because of my namesake, because you're a Jesus person. Is that Stephen was stoned, exactly. He said, this, this is what's going to happen. He's telling those disciples this. Even later, under the bloody rule of Nero, countless Christians fell. We know what happened. Some of them were made torches and had, had uh, stuff poured on them, and they were made torches and were put around so that they could see at night to walk around the city. They used Christians to be torches, all kinds of. Understand that the followers of Jesus were not only hated by Gentiles, they were also hated among their own people for his namesake. This is important. So let's look at verse 10. Anybody so far you want to? I want this to be discussion, and I want it to, you know, and if you had something that you've heard in the past, present, or future, or something that you've thought of, or something, that's what this study is going to be about. We want to, because all of us, I, I grew up in the Baptist church, and we had a couple of guys that were Baptist guys that wrote a lot of prophecy books. Just like when you go to the Pentecostals, they had a lot of people. Every group has their group that writes prophecy. And so they, they ingrained in us certain things about prophecy that you find out later weren't true. Other things you find out, well, you know what, they were spot on. So that, the reason we want to have this discussion is there's things in each of our hearts and minds that we've been taught out of our lives that may be that we need to hear or maybe things that we need to just wash out to understand. And, and that, listen, there's a reason we need to understand end time. There's a reason the drama. I'm not going to, I've already spilled it to two people in the church, but I'm not going to spill it to anybody else. There's a reason about this and the, the church prophecy that's in it. So let's look at verse 10. And that then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. So the Greek word for offended here is skandizio. And it means to be entrapped, to trip up, or to stumble. Uh, it's where scandalizio, scandalizio. Does that name sound, word sound familiar? Scandalizio, scandal. It's where we get our English word for scandal. Scandalizio, to trip up, to stumble, to entrap. He said, "This is what's, uh, and this is going to be happening between father and son, mother and daughter, brother, brother, brother." This. Under the persecution of Nero, when he began to, when he first began to entrap Christians, he would simply seize them and jail them. Then he would get them to tell where the Christian groups were and this and that. And then upon discovery, multitudes of Christians were killed. And that's part of what he's talking about here. There, there's going to be those that's going to spill the beans on, on, on each other. 
to try to save their own life. So, uh, verse 11. Many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. We see false prophets in scriptures. Simon the sorcerer, Simon Magus, in, in, in the book of Acts, he was the guy that had the whole city bewitched, and they all thought he had this great power with God. And the apostle shows up and says, dude, you're not anybody. He sees, you know, hey, man, that's great power. I want that power. What, what, what does it cost? You know, your money's going to die with you, brother, because you're in the wrong spot. The false prophets Paul talked about in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, Hymenaeus and Philetus in Timothy chapter 2, verse 17, just to name a few. The Scripture's dotted with these people, but in history they're all over, and they still come about today. But, but who is Jesus talking to right here? He's still talking to the disciples. And he's telling them, why is that? Because the things they're hearing are the things that Israel is about to undergo. They're about to experience. Hymenaeus and Philetus taught that the resurrection of the saints had already happened. These, these were guys teaching things in the church. But when you read about it, they were teaching in the church that the rapture had already happened. That, that's done. That's gone. That's over. And it drew away a lot of people out of the church because of that. Uh, we could go through history. I went and looked through some, but I'm not going to go. You can go through history and you find them one after the other after the other, claiming to be a Messiah, claiming, claiming to be a deliverer, claiming to be a, you know, the person of God. You know, one, I'm, I'm a person of God. And the next thing you know, I am God. You know, the Jim Jones type people, they're all through history. But Jesus wasn't talking about what was happening all through history. He was relaying to them a message about what was about to happen with Israel, and it's important to understand that. Verse 12, And because iniquity shall abound, and the, the, the love of many shall wax worse. Iniquity, that, that, that's a key, because we know there's sin, we know there's iniquity, we know there's transgression. Remember we talked the other day, iniquity is connected to sin, but iniquity is your Humanly desire to do the sin. That, that's the difference between iniquity and actually sin itself. Sin is the thing you do. Iniquity is the desire to do it. And because the desire to sin abounds, the love... Now, who's he talking to here again? Disciples, I want you to keep, keep plugging this in. Because of the trials and persecution and because of the false prophets and the apostates that come within the church, the love for Jesus and the teaching, he says, will just grow cold. It'll just grow cold. Turn with me to Galatians chapter 3. Let's just look at a couple. Or maybe I should have... It's better sometimes when it's not. I'm not the only one talking. Galatians chapter 3. We're going to read verses 1 through 4. Anybody? Would anybody like to do that? If you don't, I, I get it. I'm... Would you rather me just do it because I have the mic? Galatians chapter 3.
Yeah. Oh, foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you? Who's messed? Who's messed up with your? Who's messed your mind? Who's messed with, with your, your your relationship with Jesus Christ? Who's messed your relationship up with the church? Who's who's filling you full of this stuff that that's not even true? And you know, are you are you going to fall into that and let all these? Second Thessalonians chapter three. I'm just giving you a couple of. Second Thessalonians chapter 3, 1 through 2. I'll read it. Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you, and that we may be de- de- uh, delivered with unreasonable and wicked men, from unreasonable and wicked men, for all men have not faith. So who's the letter written to? Second Thessalonians. Who's the letter written to? The church in yeah, the Thessalonian church. And so, you know, what she's saying here is, listen, there's some people here that are wicked, and there are some here that don't really have faith. So, Second uh, Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. I'll just read that one as well. This thou knowest, that all they were in Asia be turned away from me, of whom are Philigia, Phygelius and Hermogenes. I can't say those Greek. So there, there were those in Asia that were turned away. The whole process of these scriptures is just to understand there were people in the church that turned away because there were others that were giving them bad information. Is that the best way to put it? And Jesus said, this is what's going to happen. It's going to happen. Verse. So let's go back to verse 13. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. This is probably one of the most misplaced and misrepresented scriptures in Scripture. Post-trib, yeah. Yeah. The the post tribbers are even the even the white throne judgmenters. There uh, there was a actually a pastor on the radio about three weeks ago that said that you could receive the mark and still make it. Yeah, receive the mark and still make it. Here's where it's most often misrepresented. As Christians, we tell one another, "Come on, dude." You've got to endure to the, if you endure to the end, you're, you're going to be saved. But who was he talking to here? He was talking to the disciples, and what was he talking about enduring? The persecutions and all those things. He wasn't talking about a spiritual value of if I endure this, this that, and this, and that. He wasn't talking. He was talking to them about the fact that they are... There are these things that I've just talked to you about, and I'm going to keep talking to you about, that if you endure them, if you make it through them, then you'll make it. Then you'll make it. Let's, let's, keep, looking at the, let's keep looking at this. The temple will be destroyed. Jerusalem will be sacked, and the Jews persecuted in prison and killed. Jesus foresaw all of that. 
He knew all of that was going to happen. In order for the Jewish Christian community to be saved, they would have to endure these events. The original church was made up of Jews. Jews. The original church. So understand, the original group of people in the church in Jerusalem was Jews. And so who's he talking to here? His disciples who are about the Jews. It's, it's important to, as we go through this chapter, we're obviously not going to go through it tonight, but as we go through it, you're going to see how these things tie together better when you understand the points that Jesus is making, uh, who he's actually talking to. So the Jew, they have to endure. So what's remarkable, if, if you know the history, if you looked at Josephus, if you know the history, when Titus, uh, the Roman general, actually did come in to sack Jerusalem, when it came to the point where he, they were going to delve in and take them, what was remarkable was that the church in Jerusalem was able to escape. Not one of them, not one of them was left behind or hurt. But the church was able to escape. So again, Jesus is talking to his disciples, right? He's talking to those who are following him. This is a private conversation. And he's having this private conversation to help them understand what's happening to their nation and what's going to happen to them as his followers. And so what's happened to their nation is that their city is going to be destroyed. Their temple is going to be torn down. And understand, if you, you know, if you, you've got to endure. What does the endure? Well, what, hap- what happens is they es- before the fall and the sack of Jerusalem, they escape simply because uh, the, pro- the procurator actually opened the doors, opened the gates to the city. And the church left gone. And then the city was sacked. So verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. Then shall the end come. Very interesting scripture here. The Greek word used here for world means land specifically the Roman Empire. The Greek word, I'll spell it for you, O-I-K-O-U-M-E-N-E. That word translated world right here means land specifically the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire was their world, actually, but, but that, that, that doesn't mean world global, the earth. It actually translates the Roman Empire. This same word world is used in Luke chapter 2, verse 1. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. Now, we know he didn't tax people around the globe, but he taxed who? The Roman Empire. It's the same word. So understand in this verse, and the gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the Roman Empire. This makes a big difference when you start understanding what this scripture is saying. So the Roman Empire was vast. Listen, it was big. I mean, you're talking Asia, Greece, India, Ethiopia, Spain, Britain. I mean, it, you know, it was massive. So understand that that's, that's what's being spoken here. And so, and then the end shall come. Again, that end is not referencing the end that we think of as the end of the world, but he's again referencing Israel. Verse 15, when, when ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, whosoever readeth, let him understand. So the abomination of the desolation in Matthew 24 is also referenced in Luke 21 and 10. And this is what it says in Luke 21 and 10. When you shall see Jerusalem 
compassed with armies, then know that the desolation therefore is nigh. So Luke wrote it a little different than Matthew. He, he wrote it, but, but the way he wrote it, he said, listen, you'll understand this desolation is coming when you see these armies, armies compassed around Jerusalem. The, the, it refers to the Roman army that would come. Now, you, here we're talking in Jesus' day, you know, it's another 30, 35 years this is going to happen. You're, talk, you're talking things, so it's not a bam, bam, bam thing again. But Jesus is talking about things that's going to happen. One of the problems we have in America is we're bam, bam, bam people. We're microwave people. We read something and we think this, 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 and this. It's all got to happen within 15 minutes. But the reason I'm doing this tonight is I want to get you into a rhythm of something, that this is not a bam, bam, bam thing. But Jesus is speaking of events that are going to be happening to his people. The abomination Standing in the holy place is the Roman army besieging Jerusalem, spoken of in Daniel 9 and Daniel 11. And it's called the abomination for this reason. The armies have ensigns, or their ensigns are just their, their flags with their crests and all. So they have these flags, and they have images, the images of who? Caesar. And they bring them into the holy place. They, they brought these things into the temple, and they placed them on the eastern gate, and they sacrificed to them while they were there. This caused the Jews to say, I'm out of time, caused the Jews to say, you know, the Roman army is filthy. Look what they've done. They've, they've degraded God's holy place by bringing their stuff in, their images, their flags, and their sacrifices. And this is the abomination. The desolation is when they lay waste to the city. We hadn't got there yet. <laughs> so here's what I want you to do this week. That's just why I'm going to stop. I want you to go through and read the verses that we just talked about. Read those verses again through. Do you you have you have phone? You have access to to uh, uh, I think it's called Blue Bible. I, I use the Strong's Concordance. You, you can look them up, but. Understanding the meaning of the words that were used in the Scripture is critical to understanding the, the uh, prophecy that Jesus is spoke, speaking about. Because when we read those, and can things have a dual meaning? Can, can, there, there are things, there are Scriptures that, that break apart like an onion, but the original meaning holds its original meaning. Because you break it apart like an onion doesn't change the original meaning. We're going to talk about the prophecies concerning Israel. We're going to talk about the prophecies concerning the world. And we're going to talk about the prophecies concerning the church. And so when Jesus spoke these things and he was speaking to the Jews about the abomination of desolation, what he was speaking to them about was the destruction, not only of Jerusalem, but before that, how that these armies would come in with with these statues and flags and stuff of Caesar and literally come in and offer sacrifice which was the abomination to them. It's the filth of the world to them. But the 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 church, the Jew, the Jews that were the church that were in Israel, that were in Jerusalem were able to escape. Mm -hmm. 
Josephus has some good, uh, the, the historical value is really good when you start reading it because, you know, the procurators are named, uh, dates are named. I mean, there, there's all kind of, and we could get bogged down in that. So we'll, we're going to come back to it, but I don't want to get bogged down in it right now. But, but we need to understand who, who's being talked to and what's being talked about. And it's in the in the onset of this. So, Bishop, you have any? One of the things that uh, the, the scriptures you read out of the epistles, every writer to to a church was identifying problems inside that church. Mm -hmm. Our pure persecution will come from the outside. But the problem in the church will occur within the church. Satan will see that there is a confusion that is brought into the body of Christ. And, uh, you know, I, I taught a series on great church fights in Atlanta, and I regretted doing it because <laughs> everybody started looking at each other in suspicion. <laughs> are you the one? Are you the one? <laughs> but... You know, you have to be aware that we're living in a time when uh, you have to know them that labor among you. Mm -hmm. Paul was very adamant about that, wasn't he? Huh? Paul was very adamant, very about, adamant that. about that. Yeah, because he constantly ran into it, making, setting up an apostle. He set up a church, put a pastor in, moved on. Set up a church, put a, that's what an apostle does. When he got back around, what was he discovering? This very thing. And this began in the beginning. This, this started in the beginning. This started in, in, in the church in Jerusalem. This, this didn't start after the Gentiles. This is a human problem, and it's a devil problem. John said, I know where the seat of Satan is. The, the most, <laughs> the person who's in the church, every service is the devil. He's here. Yeah. Every service. Yeah. He shows up. Yeah. He has a better attendance than. Most Christians. Yeah. So, so, so keep those things in mind and understand that. And, and you remember I said in, in the beginning, some of these things will cross over one another. Like when he's sp speaking to Israel here, but the fact that there will be those in the church that will over, that bleeds over into the Gentile church as well. And the reason I'm telling you that is so you, you, you'll understand there are things that bleed over, but there are things that aren't, that don't. We'll, we're never going to experience or see the destruction of Jerusalem or the temple. We're not going to see that. That's, that was for them. Therefore, we have to understand the process of Scripture written. Again, it's very critical. Who, who is he discussing this with? Who is it written about? And, and what, what is it? Again, uh, you know, when, as, I, as I was reading, when I uh, looked at the world there, and I looked up, you know, I was expecting to see the earth or the globe, but it's, it's really enlightening to find out that that word that's used there for world is Roman Empire. It's, it's land, Roman, specifically the Roman Empire. So world, uh, what was the word? O O O I A I O N A A I A O N. Let's see if I've got how how you actually pronounce it here. Uh huh. Do you have a Strong's Concordance by chance? 
It's, it's A-I-O-N. It, it's the Greek word that's used there. And there are different words for world because one, there are words for world that mean people. There's words for world that means the earth and this particular word that means this particular meaning of it being. So the, <clears throat> one of the prophecies, y'all remember as kids, we always heard this, when the gospel's preached in all the world and Jesus is coming, that's not what Jesus was saying about his coming because they ask him a question about your, his coming, and we're going to talk about that next. But the, 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 the Jesus coming, that's a different, whole different thing. I'm trying to get ahead of myself while i got to stop. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is the second temple that was actually built. Yeah. So it didn't hold all the majesty. It was adorned, but it didn't hold the majesty, the original temple that held. It was adorned. But we'll get into that too. We'll <laughs> There's a purpose in understanding the destruction of the temple here and why it was destroyed. We talked a little about it the other day, why it was destroyed. You know, there was a purpose in it being destroyed, not just because the Romans were mean. God had a purpose in it. Can the gospel of the kingdom be preached in our era? Can it be preached in our era to all the world? Kingdom. Be preached in, oh, oh, can the gospel of the kingdom be preached in the time we're living in now? Can we live in the kingdom? But what's the gospel of the kingdom? That's <laughs> the good news of the kingdom. Gospel, gospel means the good news of the kingdom. Jesus is the good news, okay. But the gospel of the what is the gospel? The word gospel, what does it mean? See, here, here's, here's, yeah, okay, thank you. Because here's what we've done through the process of the way we've grown up. We've always heard that Jesus is the good, the gospel, the good news. The, the gospel is the story. The story. So if the gospel is the good news or the story, what is the story or the good news of the kingdom? <laughs> Here we go. So this is where these... Understanding these things unlocks prophecy. It unlocks prophecy. God intends for prophecy to be unlocked. There are people that are receiving prophecy today that have never before understood it. God's unlocking it in this last day. God's unlocking it because it's meant for now. It's meant for this end time. There's prophecy for you and I that has nothing to do with the Jews or the world. God's unlocking it. So... Anybody else before we? Bishop looks like he's just got a whole boatload of stuff working. But he told me, he said, listen, I'll try to keep my, I'll keep it to myself till we get through. He's been trying to be nice to me. Look forward to seeing y'all this weekend. For more information about Tabernacle of Praise, look us up online at tabernaclepraise.org. We want to hear from you, so be sure to connect with our Facebook page. We also have a free app that you can use to keep up with events or be notified of bad weather. And you can listen to our sermons directly from the app. Thank you for listening, and have a blessed day.